go. What's up, y'all? I am Chris Chowson. This is Straight Chubb, the fantasy football podcast brought to you by the Fantasy Headliners. Welcome back to the show. I'm always good to be with my guy, Chris Kennedy, man. We are here. We are live. What's going on, buddy? Well, we're not we're not live. Well, but I, we're, just, I just say we're live. Yeah. I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. Cool. Uh, when you did your intro, I started smiling and did like facial expressions like we were on a video. And then I realized, no, people are only going to hear our voices. They actually have no idea what my facial expressions are right now. <laughs> Cut the crap, Kennedy, and just stick to your freaking voice. You know, man, too many beers already, man. We haven't even started and you're already doing some dumb stuff, man. And by too many, you mean not enough. Not enough. I like that. I like it. You know what? We got to kick it off first because, you know, what everybody knows by now, uh, me and you, we discuss this because we're, we have a soft spot for hip hop music. And mm. I mean, uh, Mr. DMX, he passes away. I thought it was appropriate. You know what? Give him a shout out because he for, for us growing up like that. I mean, hip hop music was at its best, in my opinion. I mean, I feel for the generation nowadays. I, I think the, the game is completely changed into a single voice art. I think everything sounds very much the same and, and copycat. When we mm-hmm. were growing up, it was more like everyone had their own tune. Everyone had their own cadence and rap style. And DMX was definitely one of those guys. I loved it. I mean, you're talking the Rough Riders anthem and songs like Slip In. I mean, it was was just uh, he was he was a different type of voice at a time that the hip-hop desperately needed it because i think don't uh, remind me or correct me if i'm wrong i think it was when uh, tupac and, and biggie died and then he came in afterward and kind of changed everything in the landscape kind of flipped but just want to talk about him for a bit uh, a minute because i mean i loved his music i thought he was absolutely fantastic i'm right there with you yeah it was the it was like that that mid to late 90s you know um because Tupac and Biggie, I think, passed away within just a, a few years of each other. Mm-hmm. And then DMX's first main like big album, It's Dark and Hell is Hot, that was released in 1997 or 1998. It was my mm-hmm. freshman year of high school, I remember, because, and for all of you kids out there, be- and, you know, before they actually released the full CD, they actually released CD singles with one or two tracks of the more popular songs from that album yes. so that you could buy for like $1.99, you could buy the CD single. And I remember I had it uh, and on that CD single of DMX was Get At Me Dog and Stop Being Greedy. Yes. And those were my, I mean, those are my anthems. Those are my absolute jams. Don't get me wrong. I loved Rough Riders Anthem, uh, but those two and How's It Going Down, Damien, I mean, that, oh, that record had so many good tracks on it. And here I am, you know, at the time, a 13, 14 year old white kid from Martha's Vineyard, Massachusetts, just bumping DMX and Tupac and Biggie and Method Man and Red Man down the streets of this nice island. <laughs> but to be fair, so was every other yes. spoiled white kid as well on Martha's Vineyard. They, everyone thought that they were like this. Everyone thought that they were G'd up from the feet up. Yes. <laughs> and that's the best way to put it. You know what it was? is because it was so good, man. The music was, was so new. It was so fresh. Everybody wanted to imitate. I mean, myself included. It was just awesome stuff. And and I mean, I, I, I miss them like uh, the music wise. I, I miss the hip hop game big time. I mean, there's still some good guys out there. But I mean, when it comes to it, I mean, I think that was the glory days. And we lived in an era and grew up in an era where where it was it was just lights out unbelievable and we're talking football style i think it was elite of the hip hop game i mean it was it was just fantastic i mean yep 
unfortunately, I mean, you know, the guy, he struggled with his own demons and, and, you know, you hear nothing but good about him. You know, he was a good guy. He tried his best, but I mean, all those things with drugs and everything got caught up to him and it's unfortunate, man, but you know, had to shout him out. I mean, I was a huge fan of DMX and, and I hope he, he rests in peace because I mean, he was one of the good ones, one of the pioneers of the rap game for sure. Interesting. I want to touch on this one because before we get into football, this is this is our show. We could talk about whatever the hell we want, and I'm going to start it off this way because I think it's hilarious. We're not talking about Kim Kardashian again, are we? No, Kim. Kim's out, man. Right. We had it one time, and she's done. <laughs> Aaron Rodgers on Jeopardy. You catch it? Yeah. That <laughs> Aaron Rodgers on Jeopardy is actually he's really funny. he's really good. Yeah, he's he's really good as the host. You know, when he's reading the questions, he's okay. But then when he's interviewing, it's like he goes into this monotone. Uh, hey, how are you doing? Uh, how are you feeling? And I'm just like, dude, can you can you spice it up a little bit? I'm falling asleep here, man. I will say during the actual show, though, like I like the little jabs here and there that he'll give to the contestants and, you know, the the rapport that he, he builds with them. So I, I, I like him as the host. Yeah, I don't mind him. I don't mind him. I think, you know what, out of all the guys they've had so far, I think he is one of the better ones that if he mm-hmm. actually gets a little bit more comfortable behind uh, behind the scene, I, I think he'll be all right. But he's funny when when uh, someone answers something. No, he's always like, nope. <laughs> and I'm like that, that poor <laughs> bastard. He feels like so embarrassed behind his, his mic. I was like, oh, man, it's good. But hey, you know what? He might have a career on his hands after football. He says he wants to do both. So who knows? Yeah. And he, he said that he's, you know, I mean, he's always absolutely gushed about jeopardy and how much he loves it so i could see it happening yeah it'd be cool man it'd be cool to have uh, mvp uh, league mvp nfl mvp hosting jeopardy imagine that one of the, having one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time become the new full-time host of jeopardy yeah man eat it tom brady who's the goat now <laughs> right <laughs> tom brady will oh. still be playing football and winning championships <laughs> man tom brady is gonna be playing football when i'm dead i swear to Can god I, I and, and speaking of of tom brady so uh I'm in a I'm in a Madden franchise with a couple of of, of other buddies, not the one that that Jake and Kyle uh, are in. And I took over a I took over an, an orphan team, and I think they're in like their third season, maybe. So it's probably it's like the 2023 or 2024 season. Tom Brady is 46 years old in that league, and he's still playing. Like he's still <laughs> he hasn't retired in the game of Madden yet. It's insane. The, the, the algorithm is is putting him to play till he's 60. It really is like they, like everything is going towards his direction of playing until he can apply for an AARP card <laughs> or until he can play with his son. That's, exactly. that's what he's gaming for, man. So he can play with his kid. Good Lord, I digress. But we got a few things to discuss when it comes to football. Let's dive right in. A big news. I think it happened today. It was on a Tuesday. Um, James Conner. He goes and mm. signs with the Arizona Cardinals, man. This was interesting because we discussed James Conner a little bit this offseason already, and and we we both were kind of of the opinion we were a little bit shocked that he hadn't found a team yet. And and I mean, it, it, the issues with James Conner have continued. It's the injury concerns. Can he play a full season? Because we we agree when he's on par and we, when he's on point, he's playing damn good football, but he just can't stay out of that damn medical room. No, and and I think that I, I like the signing for, for the Cardinals, to be honest with you. I also like it for for him um he's still a young player as long as he can stay healthy i mean i and there was a whole debate going back and forth on twitter because well that's what twitter does nobody can agree on anything and they always have everyone has to fire each other up so uh there was the conversation of okay well what does this do to chase Edmonds and his fantasy outlook mm. and honestly if if connor can stay healthy yeah you're gonna be he's gonna be taking away some goal line touches he's a good receiving back um 
I don't think it's going to, I, I personally don't think Chase Edmonds is a, is an RB one anyway, mm. but I do think it kind of hurts him as an RB two. Yeah. And see, that, that's a great argument because he isn't an RB one. Uh, Chase Edmonds is, is the same guy everywhere. This is the thing. Everyone wants to jump on the bandwagon for volume and, and you have to be careful with that too, because, okay, yes, he would have gotten the volume. Yes. Edmonds has a decent skill set. But I mean, he was injured too. I mean, don't get that twisted. I mean, he 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 found his way in the medical room. He lost touches, never really came back. So I mean, I I don't dislike this either. I think that you know it's an upgrade to the backfield in general. Do I believe mm-hmm. it's an upgrade from Chase at for Chase Edmonds? I should say. I mean, it's debatable. I I, I like James Conner. I really do. I root for the guy because I think he does have a unique skill set that is built with power and speed, and he can catch the ball. I I, I mean. If he can literally play 14 out of 16 games and, and not really miss a beat, 1,000 yards is, is definitely not out of the question in this offense with at least 35 catches in this backfield. Yeah, and, and the other thing that's going to hurt both of those guys is the fact that Kyler Murray, mm. over the last two years, has run for over 320 attempts. So, yeah. I mean, I'm sorry, sorry, two, 220 attempts. So he's going to get his, you know, he's going to be breaking into that, that uh you know, that workload or that, that, that volume share that mm. Connor and Edmonds are, are hoping to get. So yeah, you pretty much have three really good running backs in your, on your roster right there. Yeah. And that confuses goal line work too. And I get that because now see it's, it's about the, you know what it is. This, this league is changing and morphing so much into that running quarterback, the mismatch, the RPO, the read option, and, and this is what you're going to get again. So if you have James Conner on this offense and just say they add an, a, another offensive weapon, say it's a tight end or say it's another wide receiver. I mean, now you have all these options that you can go to and you know, what, like, what do you, what do you want to say? 70% of the time, Kyler's going to just take it and go because he sees mm-hmm. the opening. So, I mean, goal line work is going to suffer. So these guys are definitely going to have to put the yards on the ground and, and make up the work in the past game. And I mean, it's not giving me the warm and fuzzies in the, in the Kingsbury system when, when, you know, Kenyon Drake wasn't catching passes. Yeah, exactly. So for, for me, I, I like the signing for Connor. I like it for the Cardinals for the depth, you know, and hopefully this can kind of help, you know, put James Conner back on the map a little bit where even though he won't be the lead back, you know, at least he'll be able to be involved in an offense that actually wants to use him as mm. opposed to Pittsburgh last year. Yeah, I don't understand why they stopped using the man. Like, did he have some some naked pictures of someone's wife or something? Like, what did they do? Like, I just don't get it. It's, it's interesting because you're you're thinking, OK, well, maybe they didn't use him because, you know, the offensive line wasn't that great. Uh, they had they dealt with some injuries. It's like, yeah, but you're going to allow Ben Roethlisberger to throw the ball 3,000 times? Come on. Right. <laughs> I, I don't understand. I'm so confused, but good for James Conner. I like him. I'm rooting for him. You know, he's always had a, a very unique skill set, and I, and I like the guy a lot. Mm-hmm. Interesting one, Chris, man. Interesting. We haven't seen it happen yet, but I saw the report yesterday, I believe, yesterday evening, and they said it was imperative that this was going to happen today, Tuesday, and it still hasn't. Jadavion Clowney, oh, he yeah. goes and visits the Cleveland Browns, and they're saying, the report said, and I quote, signing is imminent, and that was supposed to be on Tuesday. Still haven't seen anything to that degree, but could you imagine this defense with Jadavion Clowney? I think them adding him, you know, not only as a pass rusher, because where his strength actually is, is against the run. He's one of the best run stoppers, you know, along the front seven that the league has. Mm. I mean, this goes back to his days in Houston. So this is a team that absolutely could use him, you know, to kind of stifle up that run defense for sure. 
man, and I'm going to name you off what they've done on this defense. I, I, I know everybody understands. They see it. But listen, man, you got Miles Garrett. You have Sheldon Richardson. You get Tarek McKinley. You get Malik Jackson. That, and then you add a clowny to that. That is depth rotation galore on that front line. Unbelievable. I'm not overly sold on their linebackers, but then you jump into their uh, secondary. You got Denzel Ward. You sign John Johnson. You get Grant Delpit back. You got Greedy Williams. You sign Troy Hill. Like, oh my God, am I going to turn into a Cleveland Browns fan? Because this defense is... Is legit on paper. I'm telling you, if they can add, you know, a solid linebacker, you know, whether it's through the draft or whatnot, that's going to be a, that's a, that's a very impressive defense that was already impressive last year. Yeah. And I mean, I, I think they see the writing on the wall when they lost to the chiefs, it was like, if they just had a little bit more because they were in that game, mm-hmm. let's not kid ourselves. They were there. And, and if a couple mistakes and a couple defensive stops away, you know, they could have been playing the bills in, in the AFC championship game. And, and that would have been literally who knows who's going to the super bowl at that point. Right. I mean, they were, they were right down there. They, literally they lost that game because, and I, I, I apologize, forget his name, but Patrick Mahomes went out and their backup quarterback came in and if it wasn't for that like 11 or 12 yard run that he had, you know, on the last possession of the game, mm. we're, we're talking about maybe, a, you know, cause I believe it was fourth down when they went for it. Yes. And they converted that fourth down. You get stopped. The Browns have a chance to march down the field. Yeah. Wasn't that, wasn't that Chad Henney that did that? It was. Yes. Chad Thank Henney, you. Yeah. Chad Henney. Absolutely. Chad Henney on fourth down. Look at the balls on Andy Reid, man. Fourth down <laughs> in pressure time. Andy Reid's got the kahunas of a freaking animal, man. Look at him go. Unbelievable. I don't know. You know, every time I look back at this, and if, if Clowney, I, I agree 100% with you when you saying, and I mean, the statistics back it up 100% mm. that Clowney is one of the better run defenders in this league. But I mean, it, teaming up with Miles Garrett, I mean, Okay, fine. He played with J.J. Watt, and we saw how dominant they were, but you go up with a dog like Garrett on that line. Garrett is one of the best defensive ends in the league, man. I I think, holy crap, Cleveland, you will be just unbelievably celebrating if this happens. Uh, Agreed. Giovanni Bernard. We saw this. We got a kick out of this. We did. We did. And I'm getting the gears from all the all the Patreon guys, and they're they're you know, hey Chris, man, you talk about Fournette anymore? And I'm still, it's forever Fournette, and I don't care. I'll, I'll get a tattoo. <laughs> I, I'm I'm kidding, but I mean, you know, this is interesting. Why the hell are they signing Giovanni Bernard? All things aside, let's let's bring some rationale to this because you you, you still have Rojo. He played well. K, the catching isn't there. You had playoff Lenny. I mean, Uncle Lenny played well in the playoffs. Maybe you expanded his role, and then you go and sign Geo. What are you doing, Tampa Bay? I think they're doing it for pass protection, to be honest with you, because mm. Geo's. I think that's what Geo. He thrived in since he has a pass protector. You know, getting in, getting in there on third down and whatnot. So I think bringing him in sort of solidifies that a bit. Um, and because let's let's. I mean, obviously Brady needs as much time to throw as he can get. All right, he's he's. Every year, obviously, getting a year older. That's how aging works, from what I've been told. Really? And so, yeah. And, really? and so just getting another person in there to help pass protect that can also catch out of the backfield, that can run the ball. So you're getting a little bit of everything in a seasoned veteran like Gio Bernard, uh, even though he's only, what, like 28, maybe 29 years old? Feels Even though like, he looks like he's 55 with that mustache. Yeah. And he feels like he's been in the league for like 25 years already too. Yeah. I, 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 yeah, I don't know. So, so I, I don't know if it's, 
I personally don't know if I want anything to do with this backfield from a, a fantasy standpoint for 2021. Um, but I do think as the season progresses, I think that Lenny is still going to be the guy to own. Yeah. Okay. I gotta, I gotta let that digest for a second because I had so many thoughts and you, you took them away with your, with your comments. Um, Geo going into with Tom, uh, Tom Brady is this kind of like a new James White? Is is this what I'm? Uh, I, I know I talked about it, and you guys were laughing, and I mean it's fine. I, I just threw it out there. You didn't have to embarrass me for God's sakes, you know. But is this the new James White? Is this what we're supposed to expect? Because I, they don't really have that. I mean, it wasn't the Leonard Fournette effect. He didn't really do what he was supposed to do. The seventy six catches or whatever he had in Jacksonville didn't translate to Tampa right. Bay the way I thought it would, because that's what I was really banking on. Um, outside of you know gaining those chunk yardage and, and having the goal line work. But I mean, Gio, he's got to be in the conversation when it comes to the PPR game that potentially perhaps if you see usage as like week four or five go on and you get a better understanding of how Tampa Bay is going to use them. I mean, he's got to have flex appeal in PPR. No, I think he has some appeal. Don't get me wrong. Um, but with the return of OJ Howard, I mean, you could see Tampa running a lot of, a lot of 12 man personnel, you know, running those two tight end sets and not really having a need for that receiving back that, you know, that he had in James White, um, that he had in Dion Lewis, um, you know, Kevin Falk before that. So, mm. so I, I don't know how much Gio will be used. I definitely think that he, he's going to get his fair share of targets. I think maybe, you know, I don't think 30 to 30, 30 to 40 receptions isn't out of the question. Um, but again, I don't know if it's going to be enough to be a weekly flex start. I think more of like mm. a more of a matchup kind of a play for me personally. Yeah, we need the magic eight ball to figure out when you're going to play him in that flex role. I agree. Tampa Bay, man, they have so many weapons that every single week you're going to be in that same problem. I think when uh, they're going to scheme up on who they're utilizing and using to go against opposing defenses. And I think you're mm -hmm. going to struggle every week for that top. Look at what happened to Mike Evans on, on, a, on a weekly. Like he would have one week where he blew it up. And then the next week he kind of had one catch and one touchdown. He only got you, uh, what, the seven, eight points. I mean, so I don't know. This, this Tampa Bay club is... I don't know if I'm even going to, I mean, it's tough to say that I don't want to, I don't want any shares of it, but I mean, it's tough to trust, man, just based on how they're built. I would say outside of Tom Brady, is there anybody on Tampa that you actually do trust to be able to contribute on a weekly basis? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know either, man. I don't know. It's a good conversation. Yes, it is April, mid April, but it's a good conversation. You okay over there, man? I know you got the tissues. You want to go get a tissue box? Uh, I knew before, this was coming. I didn't know when, but I knew it was coming eventually. <laughs> you knew I had to bring. And I'm actually, I'm actually really fired up because I had some arguments on Facebook with some friends of mine on Facebook, and I'm still needing to let it out. Let it out. Oh, I like this, man. We're gonna hear a new segment, man. Ba -ba 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 -bum. Let it out with Chris Kennedy. We're talking about Julian Edelman, if you guys didn't know, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> it is his uh, New England Patriots. 
Julian Edelman, he uh, fails his physical. New England uh, ends up releasing him, and he uh, subsequently retires from the game of football. It was due to the injuries. I believe it was his knee that was causing him the havoc. And, Mm -hmm. I mean, I get it. Uh, What did he play? 11 years in this league. He was a seventh-round draft pick, started on special teams, made a name for himself, learned behind the tutelage of the great Wes Welker, and took his own role and became one of the greater uh, New England Patriot wide receivers, I guess we could say. Um, he's he's in the definitely the top five. I would I would want to say in that regard. But um, let's let's hear what you're talking about of letting this this fire come out of your belly, Chris. What, what's going on? Let's 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 put it on the table. All right. So before I, I get into that, I want to bring up a couple of little things here. Um, I do think uh, Edelman is one of the greatest Patriots wide receivers of all time. Uh, mm-hmm. Definitely top three. If you want to count Randy Moss and his short stint with them, you can certainly do that. Um, Rob Gronkowski actually was on video today saying that there is a quote unquote 69% chance. Of course he used that percentage that (laughs) Edelman will come out of retirement and join the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But of course he said there was a 69% chance that that would happen. And that's his Um, go-to when he wants to mess around. Exactly. So, all right. So this is the thing that um, has kind of, that really just, it, just let it excuse, out, Chris. Just let it out, man. Just excuse my out. language, but this burns my bagel. All right. I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm, I'm so confused with that line. What the hell? People are going back and forth. Is Julian Edelman a NFL Hall of Famer? Yes. Let's do this. The answer is fucking no. Boom. Okay. Boom. Does he, will he get in one day? Maybe. Maybe. You know, with with the number of former NFL players that are in the Hall of Fame right now that have lesser statistics than he does, but they have more rings. Yes, there is a chance that Edelman will get in at some point. Does he deserve to get in? No, not as far as I'm concerned. There is a there is a difference. OK, saying someone deserves to be in the Hall of Fame and then will they get into the Hall of Fame are two completely different conversations. And for whatever reason, Twitter can't get it through its fucking head that they actually can separate these conversations and not have to mold them into one giant shit show. So let's let's break it down here. okay? Julian Edelman was an absolute stud in about four to five playoff years. Okay, yes, there was a five to six year period during the regular season where he played very well. All right. I believe he had three seasons of 100 or more receptions two seasons of a thousand or more receiving yards reverse that reverse that. Okay. Um, in his 11 year career with the Patriots, his statistics are almost identical to the six years that Wes Welker spent in new England. Okay. Wes Welker is not in the hall of fame. I don't think Wes Welker will be in the hall of fame. Right. Um, another point, Julian Edelman, how many pro bowls did he go to none? Okay. Mm. Someone who deserves to be in the hall of fame, couldn't even make it to one Pro Bowl at his position. Come on. Like, that's just. I thought, I thought he made one. I, I really did. I thought he made at least one. As far as I saw, none. None. Yep. No, you're right. None. Wow. So, no. I And I love, I love Jules. I love, I love the Flying Squirrel as much as anybody. I mean, being a diehard Patriots fan, I love what he did for the New England Patriots. He will go down as one of my favorite Patriots players of all time. Mm-hmm. But I'm taking my fanhood hat off here and I'm being realistic. Julian Edelman is not a Hall of Famer. 
man, that's a good segment. I got to go back and we got to do this. I got to add some music. And I think we got something fresh, something new here on Straight Chub, baby. This is what we do. I love it. I love it. And you're not wrong. And I mean, I saw the comments all over Twitter. It was I mean, it was it was an even split from what I saw. There were people saying, yes, he is. And then there was people. No, he's not. And here's the thing. And I'm, I'm with you. What, what gives me the most gears about this conversation is, OK, you know what? He was he Tom Brady's favorite target. Yes. And that's what clouds the judgment, because there were there were nobody else on the on the field for Tom to throw to at that time in the receiver room. Basically, it was Edelman. And then it was OK. Gronk was there, obviously. But I'm saying like receiver wise, there really wasn't anybody else. So it was by default. I mean, it was his favorite guy. But to that caveat, it was the playoff uh, hall of fame. I said this to you, if they create a new category in the NFL hall of fame, where it's just strictly playoffs, Edelman is in that category. 110% because right. His his playoff dominance and and his clutch ability. If he, if he didn't drop that one pass in that one super bowl, man, that could have been another one for him. So, I mean, this is something you really have to look at. What was it? The Eagle Super Bowl, I believe. He made that costly drop. And mm-hmm. and I mean, okay, you didn't see that very often. Everyone was shocked and, and flabbergasted. I was even, what the hell? He dropped the ball? This is Mr. Surehands, man. This is uh, Welker Jr. Like, this was, uh, that was unbelievable. But I, but I think, honestly, you're 100% on point. You said it right. It's 100 uh, catch seasons in two seasons. Three times he got... 1000 yards he never got above seven touchdowns so i mean okay he's a slot guy i get it but you know what he was very good he was very productive when he was there i'm not gonna drop f-bombs like chris but he doesn't belong in the hall of fame and the years that he did record double digit touchdowns were because of what he did as a return man and also being used you know as a runner so from a receiving standpoint like like no and and somebody made the argument um, on, on Facebook of um, Gail Sayers, you know, mm. well, Gail Sayers is in the, is in the, the NFL hall of fame. And it's like, yes, he played what five or six seasons. Yep. But at that time when he played, he was one of the best at his position. Julian Edelman, when he played, he was not like he was the best at that position for his team, but not as far as the league was concerned. See, and that's the Gale Sayers uh, argument goes to the same as Calvin Johnson. Calvin Johnson played lesser years. He's in the Hall of Fame because he was absolutely dominating. Harry Sanders, same thing. Same thing. And and I mean, that's what you have to take into account. If, if you're if you're consistently making Pro Bowls, if you're consistently leading the league in, in whatever stats that, that, that are important to your position, then yeah, I mean, you'll definitely take notice. And I mean, it's funny because guys like, uh, I'm going to go Andre Reid, for example. He, mm-hmm. he had, when he retired, from the game of football and he was disrespected against the hall of fame terrell owens was disrespected for the hall of fame i mean let's 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 not forget that i mean okay and he's a top five receiver of all time exactly and statistically absolutely and was terrell owens extremely dominating presence in 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 his time absolutely he was the guy played on a broken leg in the super bowl man terrell owens did and that's where all the respect freaking jumped through the roof for me even though he went to the dallas cowboys and ruined it with everything else he did but i'm just i'm I, I digress, but I mean, when it comes down to it, you have to understand how the hall of fame works. It's, it is a popularity contest to some degree as well, but then there's that, there's that point of the hall of fame 
where you have like a statute of limitations for certain guys. So if Edelman is out for like maybe what, 10 years, let's say, and, and, and there's nobody else of his generation that is better than him. That's how Julian can likely get into the hall of fame. Um, outside of that, I just don't see it happening. And I brought up Andre Reed for that, that same respect because it was that class of receivers. I mean, he was with the Jerry Rice's and company, so he had to wait his turn and it became him, Tim Brown, and one other, I can't remember the other one, but they were on the bottom of the list. And, and the Hall of Fame said, we have to get these guys in because when they retired, like Andre Reid, for example, he was third best in the league when he retired in, in receptions, yardage and, and touchdowns. So, I mean, you can't you can't not get him in at that point because of, of what he did. But but when it comes to Edelman, I mean, we got off track, but when it comes to Edelman, yeah, I'm with you. He is definitely not a Hall of Famer. He, he had great seasons and he got you some rings, but yeah, not a Hall of Famer to me. No, no. And, and then there was the argument too that people brought up, well, you know, if Edelman gets in, then Eli deserves to get in. And it's like, well, first of all, Eli Manning is a Hall of Famer regardless of what happens with Edelman because yeah. Eli Manning is top 10 in career passing yards, passing completions, and touchdowns. Mm. And people are like, well, he was just a playoff kind of a guy. No, no. Look what he did statistically in the regular season. Did he throw a lot of interceptions? Absolutely. You know who else did? Brett Favre. Favre, So let's let's get the whole interception conversation out of the window there. Eli Manning statistically deserves to be in the NFL to go along with his two Super Bowl rings. Coincidentally, over the Patriots. Hmm. It's just a sad day for you right now. Man. I did that to myself. That was, you that did. was on me. That you was... didn't even need my help in that one. And Eli... I, 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 and you could tell in my voice, I didn't realize it until after <laughs> I'd already said it. I was like, well, already, already out the mouth. Let's go. Yeah, you couldn't, you couldn't have a take back on that one. That was it for that. But I mean, Eli's a good conversation. I mean, we'll get off the hall of fame in a minute, but I mean, Eli's a good conversation because the clutch ability that for me, he won the Super Bowl twice and being clutch at it. Yes, Tyree had something to do with it. Yes, uh, Mario Man- Manningham, he had something to do with it as well. I mean, that, but that passed to Manningham. And that NASCAR was, defense. Oh my God, that, that, that passed to Manningham was on point. It was in the basket, man. I mean, and then him, him evading the rush and then throw, okay, yeah, he chucked it up to Tyree and Tyree made the catch. But I mean, I'm with you. I mean, quarterback is a little different. If Dan Marino, okay, Dan Marino broke records. He never won a Super Bowl. Jim Kelly, Jim Kelly's in the Hall of Fame. He never won a Super Bowl, but he had statistics. And that team was dominant for five, what, six years? One of the best offenses in the entire NFL. So that's why these guys are in. You have to have some of that pedigree if you're going to make a case for yourself uh, to get a bust in Canton. And I mean, uh, yeah, where did we go from here? Manning. Yeah, so Manning, Manning. Yeah. And, and really quickly, a couple of guys that I think are personally, I think are overrated as quarterbacks that are in the Hall of Fame, again, because of their rings, Joe Namath and Terry Bradshaw. I don't yes. think either of those guys should be in the Hall of Fame. Totally. And, and because how many did Bradshaw win? He won like four? No, three. Four. Did he win four? Yeah, he won four. Because of the freaking steel curtain. That's it. And the run game. I mean, that's and Franco it, Harris. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> so, I mean, whatever everything's biased. I mean, it's a different game. It keeps evolving and you have to understand now. So because the generations are so vastly different now, you really have to compare generation to generation for the hall of fame. And, and you can't say like everyone, who's the greatest player of all time, Jerry Rice, et cetera. And I mean, it's, it's hard now because you, the game has changed. Like, look, now we're going to have what 17 regular season games and that's just going to inflate stats even more. So now how do you have that argument anymore of who's the greatest? And also, I mean, how do you make the argument of, you know, who hasn't gotten into the Hall of Fame yet that will? It's going to be tougher and tougher for these players now 
or, you know, five, 10 years ago to get to the hall of fame that haven't because of number one, that extra, that extra game, it's also a more pass happy league. So you're going to see all these statistics really just start to be inflated. And, and then what, what happens when it comes to breaking records, like records are like that may not have been broken before could be broken now because you have that extra game. Um, And also goes back to like, and I use the NBA as a great example. When people say, who's the greatest of all time, Michael Jordan or LeBron James? It's like, Mm. well, they're both the greatest, but in different eras. Like same thing with Kobe Bryant, like different eras. It's just that 90s basketball is completely different than it was in the 2000s with Kobe. Completely different than the 2020s with LeBron. Like there's just, it's, it's so, it's so different than, than what we've, that's why I completely agree with you when I say you cannot say that there is one goat. Like they're, it's tough to say that. It's tough. Yeah. I mean, Brady's making a case out of anybody. I mean, I mean, okay. Yes. See, and then the people argue this on, on both ways. It's, it's longevity. So if you've played for a long time that inflated your statistics and you don't, you're not deserving. That's bullshit. I mean, because look, Tom Brady's going to play till he's a hundred and he's breaking every single record. And then on top of it, he's winning super Bowls. So, I mean, now you've played been- in three decades. Right. And, and are you going to make the asterisks now? Because what Tampa Bay is absolutely stacked. I mean, I mean, you can you can make up any argument you want. But if we're going to be legitimately fair on what we're saying is a Hall of Famer is the goat of the greatest of all time. I mean, I think it is era dependent. I, I believe, you know, for us, it's still Michael Jordan to me. It's MJ number one. If we're talking NBA and then it's Kobe or LeBron, then Kobe. I think that's how it has to be for me. I mean, I get it. But now I can say to the same degree that LeBron had super teams. LeBron has had longevity because he's played longer than Michael has, I believe. And and so what? Now I can make that argument. Does it mean that it's correct? No, but now I'm, I'm, I'm stacking the points against the argument that LBJ is the best, right? So, I mean, whatever. No, I, I completely agree with you. And, and you can, I mean, and really there is no definitive answer. It's all opinion-based, to be honest with you. Sure. Because you can put championships next to championships and different statistics against other statistics, you know, what would happen if they played one-on-one? Like you can create every scenario that you you possibly could think of, but it all comes down to just personal opinion. That's, Mm. that's all it is at the end. You know what, if we got to see this, we, you know, we lived in such a great time for a lot of things. It was just wonderful. And, and you know what, I'm going to chalk it up as I'm just pleasured to have been alive, to have witnessed all this stuff because it's fantastic. You know, one of my greatest, um, collectibles is that I have is from when I was a kid and you would go to, it was during the 92 Olympics and you'd go to McDonald's and you mm. would get, you would, you would go and order the supersize mm-hmm. and you would get that plastic collectible cup of a certain player mm. and you could get every single one. And I remember, so I was living on Martha's vineyard. And so the only time I'd get to go to McDonald's is when we would go off the Island to go visit family or whatever the case may be. And every time I made my parents go to McDonald's, I would order the supersize. Even if I didn't finish it, I wanted the damn cup. And I own all 12 of those cups from the 92 Dream Team. And oh. it's like my most prized possession of anything else I own. Yo, man, you got to put that on the online to see how much that stuff is worth now, man. Because, I mean, that's getting that's getting years, man. 92 is a long time ago. Yeah, even even good old Christian Leitner, who everyone forgets oh, about Christian Leitner from Christian that 92 Leitner. team. I he got picked. He got about. picked over Shaquille O'Neal for the yes. Dream Team. Yes, I remember. I remember. Yeah, there were a lot of guys that got picked over on that Dream Team. Isaiah man. Thomas. Yep. Isaiah Thomas. Yeah. Oh boy, man, this is why it's straight chub because you know what? We don't give a damn. We can talk about whatever we want for however long we want. 
But you know what? This one's interesting. Thaddeus Moss, man, he got claimed on yeah. waivers. I had to bring this one up because, okay, you know, he got injured. But, you know, playing in LSU, he got claimed by Cincinnati, if you guys don't know. Um, Moss was okay. I mean, he wasn't his dad. I mean, I think the hype was. Oh, you know, yeah. Right? I mean, <laughs> but how many people were like, oh, he's going to be phenomenal, just like his dad. And, I mean, yo, pump the brakes. It didn't happen. He doesn't. He didn't get all the God-given talent that his dad did, but he still has ability and now going to a team like Cincinnati do not tell me Joe Burrow didn't have a hand in this I guarantee you he picked up the phone was calling the GM go and submit a waiver claim now because I can use this man we have familiarity and I think you know what depending on what they do in the draft because I don't see a lot of happening in free agency on the open market anymore mm. Adios Moss just got back on my radar as a sleeper tight end <sighs> Yeah. Stop I'm, it. I'm not I'm not quite there yet Stop on, it. on him. Nope. Um, and I say that because there are other weapons on Cincinnati. Um name one. I, I'm sorry. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Okay. All right. <laughs> I mean, if you if, if I had said it at the tight end position, then you could have been like name one. And I was well, like, that's oh, what I'm saying. Who else is gonna play tight end? This is this is my argument. Okay, you you, you sample sample, he's not gonna do nothing. No, and I and Moss very well could be the starting tight end, um, but it's just there's so many mouths to feed on that offense that, you know, how 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 many targets is he realistically going to get? I think it would take, I think what it's going to take, a it's going to take an injury, you know, maybe maybe a a big AJ Green injury for him to you know kind of be able to step up, and that's not far out of the question. Okay, let's no, it's not. That's in the realm of possibilities here, Um, but I do think that them going after getting Moss. I think that just solidifies them going offensive line with their first round pick even more uh, because, you know, Kyle mentioned it earlier in our, in our group chat with Kyle Pitts, you know, cause there was all that talk about, well, do, you know, do the Bengals go Kyle Pitts? Do they go after a receiver? Um, you know, maybe go going after a Jamar chase. So they have that LSU link up there. Mm. I think, I think offensive line is just the absolute no brainer. Um, and I don't think they have to go with Sewell, to be honest with you. If I'm the Bengals, I'd be okay with trading back, acquiring more future picks, and grabbing a a Derisaw or a Slater. I actually mm-hmm. I, I would take Slater over over anybody because yep. I love Slater. Uh, yep. But Derisaw or Slater would be great picks, and then you can just you can stack up more picks for the future. Yeah, I don't disagree. I don't disagree, but I disagree with your hatred for my I know comment. You do. I know. Rick, man, you know, I try to get excited about shit and you always bring me down, man. I thought we're, I thought we're friends, man. This sucks. We are, but I am the, I am literally, I got, you know, there's like the angel on one shoulder and the devil on the, on the other. <laughs> I am like your, your sense of reality on I'm your leaving. shoulder here. I'm leaving the hell with this, man. I'm <laughs> oh man. Watch so, Thaddeus I'm, Moss finish is like the tight end 12 this year. You and watch, like, man. Well, and and, and, and mark that. Mark that down, man. <laughs> Chris Chow says Thaddeus Moss. We're going to timestamp this podcast, the, you know, right when Chow's talked about Thaddeus Moss. You know, yeah, you know, I'm reaching just a little, but I mean, whatever, man. I, I like it. I, you know what it is? It's, it's this thing that you have when you see just something that could be. It's, it's one of those gems. And I got some intuition, man. I like it. And, and you need to start listening, man. You got to start listening, Chris. Okay, so would you – I don't think he's going to be – I don't think you have to draft him in a redraft. I think that no. you probably could pick him up off off waivers Absolutely. at the end of your at the end of your draft. 
Absolutely. And I think, you know what it is? It, it's if he's healthy, I think this is the biggest thing. If he's healthy and he understands, it's just, the, it's the chemistry connection with Joe Burrow. And I think, you know, when we saw the issues with Burrow and AJ Green, that was concerning because he just couldn't get on the same page. Familiarity, especially coming off the ACL is mm-hmm. going to be massive. And, and okay, maybe it's early on. He, he, he forms the, the connection of chemistry more to Moss because it's comfortable. Fine, maybe. And then it dissipates. But you know what? If he does stay healthy, I mean, red zone too. I mean, really? I mean, Higgins, okay. He had a great season, but he's not your bona fide red zone guy. I mean, Moss is pretty big. So I, I don't know. I, I think there's potential. I'm not saying that it's going to be spectacular, but I definitely had to bring it up because I got excited and you shot my thunder down. Sorry. Thank you. Not we're, sorry. We're, we're good now. We're good now. We're friends again. Reports, man. I see reports flying everywhere. Why? Because it is lying season, man. Lies everywhere. Don't believe nothing you hear except on this show. But I mean, you know what? Washington, the Washington football team, the WTFs, I mean, WFTs, they are going to be going for a quarterback from 19 they're moving up fact or fiction man i think uh, fact yeah man and i called this in our uh, in our chat a few weeks ago when i said that i think where atlanta is entertaining offers at number four mm-hmm. i could see washington move up to number four to get their quarterback they'd have to you know pretty much just give away their their future to do this but I do think moving up from 19 to four is an absolute possibility for Washington. Yes. And I'm with it because so, yes, they're going to have to sell the farm. That's that's number one. They're at pick 19. They are going to have to move up. OK, realistically, if we say four, if Atlanta doesn't trade out realistically, Atlanta picks somebody else. Let's just for argument's sake, say it's Pitts or a defensive back. Cincinnati, okay. Cincinnati goes offensive line. Who's at six? It's Miami. Uh, Miami. They're not going to go quarterback. So then now you have seven, you have Detroit. They're not going quarterback. Carolina's Carolina eight. They're not going quarterback. So essentially you could literally say the only wild card here is Atlanta. And if they don't pick a quarterback, you can literally go to pick nine or 10. I would say nine. Cause that, no, that's Denver, isn't it? Denver's nine. Yeah. And Dallas is a 10. Dallas at 10. So yeah, you would have to trade up to eight with Carolina if you want that. So you're jumping 11 spots. That is going to be three first round picks. Three. That is that's that's 19, your 2022 and your 2023 first at minimum. And then there could be change with that as well. But rumor has it they're interested in Trey Lance. And I and I and I like this. <laughs> I like this a lot, man, for Washington. And if they do it and they got Fitzpatrick as the quarterback right now. He is what, man? He is the best educator of Mm -hmm. the quarterback position for a youngster who is raw and has to learn. Man, I love it all day long with this defense they have, with the potential of this receiving core, the added weapons with the Curtis Samuels, man. I think I'm done with the show, man. We can leave on this high note because I'm I'm in love with it. I would absolutely, I'm right there with you. I would absolutely love this move for them because, we all know, and we talked about this, Trey Lance is a project. He's raw. He's going to need a year or two before he's ready to take over an NFL offense. And Fitzpatrick is that perfect bridge quarterback for you, you know, for, for this season. And potentially if he comes back in 2022, then maybe Lance, you know, takes over halfway through the, the 2022 season, but allow him to learn and 
and sit behind a veteran quarterback that knows how to just get it done. Yeah, I like it. I, I like it. If, if Washington does it, I mean, I hope they do. I'm, I'm for it. I'm a huge Washington supporter now just because of how they're building finally, and they look good. Mm-hmm. Keeping with the lying season. Dallas is in the lies, in the lies mix. They're looking to trade up for Kyle Pitts is what I'm hearing. And I don't know who's saying this garbage because this I is do. crazy. Yeah, huh? uh, there's an article that came out yesterday uh, from Sports Illustrated that said this. Okay. And I got in another Facebook argument because apparently <laughs> I like getting in Facebook arguments. Apparently that's Stay my thing. Facebook, man. It's dangerous. Uh, I'm like, you know what? Twitter's for everybody else. I'm going to go on Facebook <laughs> and 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 actually argue with people I see face to face. Yeah. Um. And so he was telling me he's like, oh yeah, you know, Dallas is going to trade up and this and that. And I'm like, you got that from a Sports Illustrated article. Like that's not your own personal take. And I was like, I don't see it happening. I was like, like, I know Jerry Jones likes the fancy names, like the big splash players. They have so much in that offense right now that like, they don't need Kyle Pitts. Okay. Right. They, they don't need him. Honestly. Uh, they have so many issues on defense, especially in the secondary. I, I don't, I don't see how they, they go anywhere other than defense. It doesn't have to be cornerback, but I just don't see how they go anywhere other than defense right now at number 10, or even if they move up, which they don't need to. I think they stay pat at number 10. They go defense and they have their pick of the poison. I agree. I don't, I don't understand why people keep, you know why they're doing it. And I'll tell you why they're doing it because realistically Kyle Pitts could be dropping in this draft and not because he's not talented just because of situation. Everyone in this season is so desperate for a quarterback. Mm -hmm. This quarterback class is so good. I mean, we've done the tape, man. We've done the review. This quarterback class could be generational. This is like 1983 uh, quarterback class type, man. You're talking Hall of Fame back in the day. This is how good this potential of this quarterback class really, truly has. I mean, I'm, I'm so excited to see it. Go ahead. I was just going to say, I could see a team, a team trading up that's in the teens or like, you know, like 11 or 12, not the giants, but um, I could see a team trading up to get Kyle Pitts because he, because you don't let a top three player in the draft fall into the middle of the first round. Like you just don't, you trade up, you get the guy that you, you know, the, the, the top talent. And then you work your, you work everything else in your offense around that. But okay, so there's the argument. What are you giving up to go get Kyle Pitts? This is the thing. So the evaluation to move up in a draft will not suit what you're going to have to give up for a Kyle Pitts. I think it depends on how far he falls. Well, that's if the other thing. Absolutely. If he falls, if he falls out of the top ten, you're not going to have to be giving up as much to go up and get him. And I think he really could. I mean, okay, outside of Carolina, if he makes it past Carolina, I mean, if Detroit picks him, we're going to be, I mean, watching Kyle just lose his shit on, on live stream. I mean, it's going to be glorious. I'm almost, but I think in that sense, in that scenario with Detroit, I could see them just moving him, you know, keeping him as a tight end, but just playing him out wider, you know, in the slot more often, you know, keep using him as that wide receiver. (laughs) Man, I'm almost hoping that happens just for our sake. Imagine if they took pits instead of, you know, in, instead of a Jalen Waddle or, oh or Jamar God. Chase, if he's there at seven, he will lose his damn mind. <laughs> it's going to be glorious. Oh, man. The reports keep coming. I thought this one was interesting. This is not a lie. Well, maybe it is. It is lying season. Maybe this is a lie, Chris. L.A. Rams say, quote, they are comfortable in suggesting that Matthew Stafford is the long term answer at quarterback in Los Angeles at age 33. This has got to be lies. 
I want them to define the the, the term long term. Like, exactly. what is long term as far as the Rams are concerned here? Exactly. He's thirty three years old. Is like, it four is, years? Is, is it five yeah. years? Like, do you really think he's gonna he's gonna become Drew Brees and Tom Brady and play until his late thirties? I don't think so. I don't think so. I mean, the amount of punishment he's took. I, I... Does does that mean that they they need to go out and get a quarterback in this year's draft? No, absolutely no, not. Definitely not. But it does mean that, you know, in two years, you're going to have to start seriously look at that that position and find the heir apparent to Matthew Stafford. I'm thinking two years, two yeah. years, two years of, of top end uh, appeal. Like you're talking forty eight hundred yards, 30 touchdowns for the next two years. I can definitely see that to be Matthew Stafford. Mm-hmm. Anything after that? I, I mean, come on, man. I, I, unless, unless, you know, he gets unbelievable protection from his offensive line. I mean, and, and the support of a run game that he's never had, maybe that adds years to his life in, in the NFL. I mean, it, it, that's possible. So then maybe we extend it to like 36, but after that, are we talking 37, 38 with, with Matthew Stafford? I, I really wonder, man. No, I'm not, I'm not buying it. Unfortunately. Okay, I was just just wanted to put that out there because again, it's lying season. I need a I need a nice uh, thing for that too. It's it's lying season, and it's also the season of everyone has a source. Oh, Sources yeah. tell me my source <laughs> says this insider tip. Blah 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 blah. Oh, screw yourself! You don't have sources. Like, come on, get My over next yourself. door neighbor is a rap sheet, man. Didn't you know I got sources right beside, man? We're good. I just I knock on his door, you know, midday, and I, hey, Mr. Rapshi, what's going on? Gosh, PFF. You know, I'm not a huge fan. I mean, I, I uh, appreciate analytics. I use analytics, but I'm just not a big PFF guy. And nothing mm-hmm. against them. I like the body of work. I think they do a great job for what they do. I just I question sometimes their their way of ranking, I guess I should say. It's just, a, uh, gotcha, a, per, yep. perhaps it's a difference of opinion. Uh, perhaps I just don't see what they see. But I mean, again, I'm not bashing them. I like what they do. They do very good work. But this one I like. I like this one because it, it, it solidifies my arguments for a player that I love. Huge man crush. It's Julio Jones. Julio Jones is my number two favorite player. I, I, I want to say ever. I, I'm a huge Julio Jones fan. You know this. Mm-hmm. PFF has graded him since 2017, the number one wide receiver at 93.6% efficiency rate at 32 years old. The question was, is he still wide receiver one? No. Yes. Stop it. You, you say he is. He is. How? Because he's damn good. Of course he's damn good when he's on the field. When the okay, hell has he been able what? to stay on the damn field? Okay, fair enough. And you know what the thing is? I, I won't go. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm obviously messing, okay? He's not the wide receiver one in the entire league. I get it. The problem with Julio Jones in his career has been touchdowns even more so than injuries, in my opinion, okay? If his touchdown rate could have been in the 11, 12, 13s for all those years where he was just killing it with, what, 16, 1,700 yards? We're talking about a different animal. This is the difference in his game, in his career. This is what Julio is always going to have uh, shadowing his greatness is the fact that he, what? check it out. I think it was one season. He's had 10 touchdowns. Everything over that is, is under 10. Is, is, am I correct? That is correct. 
See, and that is what's going to shadow this man. And he is a bona fide superstar Hall of Fame commodity. It's just the end zone was his kryptonite. And this is what pisses me off. But I still love Julio and I'm going to back him till I die. It's true, though. I mean, when you're looking at his at his career numbers, all right, in the games where he played at least 14 games, all right, he had one season of three touchdowns. He had like three seasons of six touchdowns. Yep. I mean, it's just, and there was a stretch where he went, I mean, he went a, a ridiculous number of consecutive games without a touchdown. Like it was literally like the, the Julio Jones touchdown track tracker. Like when is he going to score his first touchdown in like <laughs> yeah, man. nine games? Yeah, it was insane. And I just yeah. don't understand it. I don't get it. He even had Kyle Shanahan and Kyle Shanahan couldn't scheme this up. And you're talking about one of the best pure catchers in the game you remember that monday night football highlight in practice where he's jumping like a thousand feet in the air on one foot making that one-handed catch in the back of the corner of the end zone why don't you do that in the game i just i I don't get it man or there was that uh the touchdown in the super bowl against the against the patriots oh i mean not only that but also the the sideline throw sideline and like in like like the third quarter oh i mean right there was a moment it was before the patriots comeback actually started but it was that play where if they if they stopped Atlanta, I was like, okay, now we now they have a, a decent chance to actually make something happen. And mm-hmm. then Julio goes ahead and converts the third down, and I'm like, son of a. And I'm oh, just no, like, the most ridiculous only, catch. Only ever. he could make that catch. That's it, man. It was he was sideways. If you guys don't remember, sideways, and the body just trajectory was forcing him out of bounds, and he still somehow toe tapped both feet. Unbelievable, full side. Oh, it was great. I love Julio. Love him. Yeah, no, when it comes to career, you know, or, or like the best receivers, when we're talking like from a generational standpoint, like if we're talking the 2010s, Julio's my wide receiver one. Mm-hmm. No, and, fair enough. And and touchdowns be damned. Yeah, for, uh, fair enough. And I mean, look at his yards. I mean, how many times he's over 1,500? And it, what is it, four? Yeah. Four or five times? Yep. Yeah, see? And I mean, you you can't do that. Oh, PFF, I like you for that one. That was a good one. Good conversation. So what do we think for Julio this year, though? I, before we move on quickly, what are we thinking for Julio? Everyone's still saying the Calvin Ridley. I get it. But if, mm-hmm. but if Julio plays 16 games, what are we saying? If Julio plays, as far as like what, like from like a fantasy standpoint? Sure. Or if he plays 16 games, he's a top 12 fantasy wide receiver. I don't like it. Not good enough. Get out. Exit the show. You're out. He's, he's low. He's low end wide receiver one. Thank you. High end, high end wide receiver two. Welcome back to the show. We're good. I'm playing. And I say that because <sighs> they're going to, they're going to, they're going to draft Kyle Pitts at number four. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it, man. Quickly. Let's do this quickly. I don't want to spend a lot of time. Actually, no, we'll move on from that because I don't like that topic whatsoever. <laughs> It's crap, and, and we're, we're done. Fantasy football talk, man. Let's talk some fantasy. Let's close the show out on this because you know what? Yes, it is April. Yes, the NFL draft is coming. But you know what? I want to know, Chris, who is your shoe in for fantasy football? Someone that you think is at April 13th. Who you think right now is a shoe in pick come drafts this summer for redraft? What are you doing? Can I can I give you a um, a player who I'm going to do everything I can to make sure he's on every single one of my redraft teams? That would be definition of a shoe, and wouldn't it not? Listen, smartass. <laughs> <laughs> well, shit, follow along, man. Damn, just because I didn't go with your tight end pick of Thaddeus Young, yeah, you, gotta, you know, 
man. I'm going to give you right. some attitude now. Go ahead. Go so I, my shoe in guy I'm going after in every single draft. And I think you have an idea of who I'm going with because he is, he is, he is a, a man crush of all man crushes that I have because he is a grown ass man. Don't take that is Mr. AJ Brown from Uh, the Tennessee Titans. I want AJB on every single one of my teams. That's a good one. That's a good one. I'm a big fan as well, but you know, I didn't want to go Jonathan Taylor because that would have been a little bit too obvious. So I pivoted over to, to Brown. I'm going straight obvious because I don't even care. It is Nick Chubb. I am full Chubb this year. Again, like last year, we had talked him up. I mean, we were all on board with Chubb. I mean, this damn podcast is named straight Chubb. I'm going Chubb. I, I think with the defense that they're building, they're not going to ask. Okay, here's the thing. This You have to understand this already, man. The defense they're building, if they can shut down teams, they're not going to be passing as much. They don't want Baker to pass as much. They want him to be a little bit more than the Kirk Cousins game manager. They want him to be able to throw 30 touchdowns, but they want to limit the interception. So how do you do that? You lean on the ground game. You lean on the defense. Hey, you win a championship. That's how it's going to be. I think Nick Chubb, barring any health issues, man, he could literally lead the league in rushing yards. Let me ask you this question then. How high would you be willing to take Nick Chubb in the first round? Like what draft pick overall pick would you have to have to take him? Top three. If I'm a third pick, I, I'll, I have no problem taking Nick Chubb. But if you had one or two, you're most likely going CMC or Barkley? Yes. Okay, that's fair enough. So, yeah, that's where I'm going. I mean, anything after that, I mean, I, you know, I, I wouldn't even hate it. If, if I had number two, I, 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 could, I could make an argument for him over Barkley this year. I definitely No, ab- absolutely. I think, I think with Barkley, you know, I think he will get it going, but I think he could go off to a, get, get off to a very slow start because he, you know, just missing so much time. Yeah, and I mean, Daniel Jones still the concern. I think Cleveland really has a team. I think they're they're put together extremely well, and they're going to run the damn ball. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Keeping with it, who are you most excited about? So it can't be your shoe-in. Who are you most excited about for fantasy football redraft this year? Ooh, who am I most excited about? You can have one or two, because I got two. Okay, all right. Um that's a really good question because there are a few guys that I'm like really, really excited about. Um, all right. So one of them is going to be, one of them is going to be a, a rookie that hasn't played a down in the NFL, but I'm super excited about Najee Harris. I, mm. I'm, I'm interested to see where he goes and if he gets onto the right team with the right opportunity, I, the sky's the limit for that kid. Um, so he's, he's, he's one of the players that I'm super excited about, even in redraft. Um, another option though, that I'm going to be going here. Um, gosh, I, do you want me to go first so you can think? No, I, I really, I, I'm going to, I'm going to take the easy way out here though, just cause I love him so much. And I'm going Jonathan Taylor. Okay. Yep. Yeah, and I know it. Marlon Mack is, is back for a year, but I don't yeah, care. I don't care about Naheem Hines. Give me uh, JT. I like JT too. I was, I was flirting with that one too. But you know who I am? I got two, two on my board. One of them is contingent on the NFL draft, and that is Brandon Ayuk. If they draft Justin mm. Fields, if they go Fields, man, at number three, I'm, I'm all in on Ayuk. I am going to get every single ounce of Ayuk that I can get. And, and don't even try to get in my way because I will push everybody down and I will go get Brandon Ayuk because I think he is going to be a beast with a solid quarterback. And the other one is Mr. Herbie, Justin Herbert, man. Oh, I, yeah. 
man, I was all over Herbie coming into that rookie year. And now if they add one more nice weapon, man, imagine if the Kyle Pitts falls to LA. I think that's it for me too. It's going to be <laughs> Herbert and Ayuk as my, as my, and, and, and Nick Chubb, I'm done. I can, I can pack it up and we're going to win fantasy championships. That's how I am in April predicting shit and it's not going to happen, but Hey, it's fun. Who are you staying away from? As of today, who are you staying away from? Hmm. I don't want to say I'm staying away from them, but as far as what their ADP is probably going to be, I think I'm going to, I'm going to have to say DK Metcalf as much as I love him. Um, I think he's going to be drafted a little bit higher than I would be comfortable taking him. Um, Number one, they gave that big extension to Tyler Lockett. They want to run the ball a little bit more. They brought back Chris Carson. So he's somebody that I'm definitely going to be looking to kind of shy away from. And then another person. And even though Jamal Williams isn't there, I don't really want to draft Aaron Jones. Mm, I like him. I like him. And it's funny. You say, you say DK. And I, I mean, I don't hate it because I don't know what the hell's going on with the Russell Wilson effect. Like, why are they so angry at each other? What, what the hell happened there? I just, I don't get it, man. You see all the time divorce coming, divorce coming. And, and I don't like the splits that we saw from DK last mm. season. I mean, top three, top four, the first half of the year, and then just completely disappears. Yeah, okay. I, I don't hate it. I don't hate it. You know, it was a tough one. I wanted to find someone a little bit lower who still is going to get talked up uh, once we get into the into the summer months. And, and, and you know what's going to happen. We're going to see OTAs. We're going to see some training camp. He's going to light it up, and everyone's going to be on the wagon. And that's Deshaun Jackson. He goes to oh, the gosh. LA. He goes to the LA Rams, and you know it's coming, man. It, it yeah, happens. week one. Right. And then the week one, he's going to score 25 <laughs> points and everyone's going to trade for him. And then he's going to get injured again. But I mean, that's, that's an easy one. I get it, but it's Michael Thomas. I think even if, you know, it's a tough one. If, if Jameis is the quarterback, I think I would like some shares of Michael Thomas slant boy, but I mean, it's very difficult for where his ADP will likely be. I mean, he's still probably a first round pick, if not top second, um, I, I don't know, man. I just, I, I have a hard time without Drew Brees and understanding what they're going to do in this offense to be, you know, giving up that type of draft capital for, for a guy like Michael Thomas. Yeah. And because of what happened last year with Thomas, you might even be able to get him at a discount this year and redraft. Mm. So you never know. Yeah, man. I mean, if he falls into the later stage of the second round, maybe, maybe, <sighs> but that's all I got, buddy. That's my my drink is getting warm and it's getting empty and, and I got nothing else. Mine hasn't been getting warm because I've just been continuously drinking it. <laughs> well, you know, you know, I don't like you today, man. This, this show was good, but you, you've been a dick. So, I mean, I think we just got to end this thing. Hey, you know, who's a dick Thaddeus Moss. <laughs> <laughs> Suck it. Oh man. You're funny. We'll close this one out, man. So on that note, that is the show. Thanks so much for tuning in. You can find me on Twitter at Chris underscore FH1. You can find Chris on Twitter at Chris Kennedy 318. To all the listeners, thank you for all the support. On behalf of Chris, thanks again for listening. Until next time, stay safe and be kind to each other. I'm out. <laughs>